Are you ready to manage your work and personal world better to live a fulfilling, productive life? Then you've come to the right place. Productivity Cast, the weekly show about all things productivity. Here are your hosts, Ray Sidney Smith and Augusto Pinaud, with Francis Wade and Art Gelwicks. Welcome back, everybody, to Productivity Cast, the weekly show about all things personal productivity. I'm Ray Sidney Smith. I'm Augusto Pinaud. I'm Francis Wade. And I'm Mark Gelwicks. Welcome, gentlemen, and welcome to our listeners to this episode of Productivity Cast. Today, we are going to be talking about what is colloquially known as the Eisenhower Method or the Eisenhower Matrix. And what I wanted us to do is to cover kind of the origin and the outline of what the Eisenhower Matrix is so we all have a better understanding of it. Uh, there is a little bit of mythology around the Eisenhower matrix and the methodology underpinning it, then we're going to talk about our experiences with the Eisenhower matrix and how matrices generally uh, can help us be more productive. And then talking a little bit about when and why you should use it. Where, where are the contexts in which the Eisenhower matrix can work? And then of course, uh, how we can blend it with other methodologies, uh, productivity methodologies that we all use in our own productive worlds. So let's start out with what the Eisenhower matrix or what the Eisenhower method is. Um, I'll start with the fact that in 1954, former U.S. President Dwight D. Eisenhower, quoting someone else, he was actually quoting Dr. Roscoe Miller, who was the president of Northwestern University, um, and so he was speaking to the Second Assembly of the World Council of Churches, it turns out. And he was he is um, quoted as quoting Dr. Miller as saying, quote, I have two kinds of problems, the urgent and the important. The urgent are not important, and the important are never urgent, end quote. This has come to be known as the Eisenhower principle or the Eisenhower matrix. Many people have then mythologized that somehow Eisenhower had developed this whole entire methodology around it. But the reality is, is that his importance and urgency uh, construct uh, was, was taken from someone else. Uh, and while Eisenhower himself was a great time management uh, aficionado, someone who really paid attention to how he used his time and had many other principles that he abided by. Um, he was not the progenitor of any specific methodology, but it is what we come we have come to known as uh, the Eisenhower matrix. That takes us forward to the concepts behind the Merrill Covey matrix. And a lot of people don't know this, but Dr. Stephen Covey had been doing work with uh, Rebecca Merrill and Roger Merrill, and the three of them combined ended up creating what is now known as the Merrill-Covey matrix, which is the matrix that most of us know in the, the view of the four quadrants uh, and what pieces fit into those four quadrants in, 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 for, in the form of importance and urgence. We'll cover that shortly, but just understand that there's been a, a, uh, a long arc of progression of people's thoughts around what the Eisenhower matrix is and ultimately what became the Merrill Covey matrix and how we actually see that in much of the productivity literature today. And a lot of people get this wrong. And so I just wanted to kind of at least point that piece out in terms of its history so that we're all understanding the fact that everything between Eisenhower quoting Dr. Miller and any piece of productivity material that has been seen pretty much 
after the Merrill-Covey matrix was published in First Things First and other materials that Covey and the Merrills put out, they are interpretations of the concept of other people. I mean, it breaks down the old important, urgent, not important, not urgent analysis of being able to prioritize things. Therefore, if something is important and urgent, you should go ahead and do it. If it's important and not urgent, you're supposed to schedule it. If, you're, if it's not important, but it is urgent, you delegate it. And if it's not important, not in urgent, you just kind of put it in a trash can. The methodology is, this is about as close to common sense as I think we see in the productivity space. I mean, these are the logical things. If it's really important that something gets done, you have to prioritize it. If it's really urgent that something gets done, it has to be prioritized. If it's neither one of those things, why are you wasting your time on it? So I get that stuff. I struggle a little bit with one of the categories, which we can talk about a little bit later on, but at the highest level, what I just outlined, that's that's the question criteria that you apply to tasks and, and anything else you're really trying to prioritize to determine where action or where and when action should take place. Well, the, the, the matrix is a, a, from my point of view, is a clever, a clever after the fact analysis of something that's already happened, which is that we create tasks in our mind, they're psychological objects, and the moment of creation, we implicitly have a sense of whether something is urgent, not urgent, important, or not important. It's, you might say it's subconscious, but it comes into existence in the moment that we create the task in our minds. So the matrix is, is uh, like I said, a clever way to capture a decision that we've already made or a notion that we've already created. It's a way of making uh, external something that we already internally know. Making it external makes it easier to manage. And I think that's the, the, the genius of it, if any. And as much as the matrix, I believe, had incredible things, and, and I agree with what Art said, it sounds really, really simple. I think people tend to struggle with the concept of urgent and unimportant. And Covey did a really good job trying to discover and identify, you know, what really important means, what really urgent means. So it makes more sense in the matrix. But I think still people struggle with those two concepts and really making them work for them. Just some other like small pieces here so that we have a, a little bit of clarity in terms of what the Eisenhower matrix really can do or what the methodology can do all told. So the matrix is a visual device meant to be able to put particular items in a priority for you to be able to determine whether or not you do that thing. And so if urgency runs across the y-axis and importance runs across the the x-axis, then what you decide to do, uh, make a decision on, delegate or delete, ends up being those four Ds end up falling into those categories uh, in, in the eyes of most people who talk about the Eisenhower matrix. So then it furthers beyond the visual device to then kind of this full methodology. You can use this for planning your week. You can use this for how to spend your time this you know, the next three hours today, that kind of thing. And it can also help you plan the things into the future. So you can say, how should I spend my next year? How should I spend uh, my next quarter? 
whatever it might be. So this tool is just basically a prioritization matrix that allows you to be able to look at almost any type of time horizon and decide things. Uh, now, let's think about it from the perspective that we all now have a basic understanding of the Eisenhower matrix, Eisenhower method. And I'm curious about each of our experiences with utilizing the Eisenhower matrix and whether or not it has borne fruit for you in and around your productivity system. What has been your experience with it? The matrix itself is a good basic level tool. I use it to help people understand core concepts around prioritization. But honestly, in its daily use, it's got a lot of flaws. Uh, the one flaw that I find in it most frequently is in the categorization of urgent but not important. And most of the time when people look at that particular quadrant, these are tasks that will often be misconstrued as busy work type of tasks. They have to be done, but they're really not critical. But then they fail to take into consideration that most of the time those tasks are also coming from the outside. You're not creating your own urgent but unimportant tasks. Most of the time they're getting passed down to you and then you have to react to somebody else's lack of prioritization and planning. So when I go through and I have people start to look at this type of a matrix, I say that box is the one you have to watch. Uh, the urgent versus important, great. That's pretty obvious. Those are the big ones. Those are the things that you got to do. The not urgent versus important, those are the ones you have to plan for. But that urgent versus non, not important, that's the one that will grow and consume all of your time and your schedule and your mental well-being if you don't keep that particular box in control. And I think, unfortunately, the Eisenhower matrix oversimplifies this to the point of misleading people that these four quadrants are actually equal. And I don't believe they are. I agree with my esteemed colleague there that this is a, a nice entry level beginner's way to think about what it really is, is task tagging, because you're tagging tasks with one of four attributes, um, the four attributes from the matrix. But the matrix would lead you to think that a task can only belong in one quadrant or that it um, would stay in one quadrant and not move around. Fact is, tasks can move from any quadrant to any other. It's it's really really just a, a useful way to think about the relative importance and urgency of different tasks, and it's it's kind of useful in the beginning. However, after you get past the point, I remember I used to have a a, a, a laid out sheet or a spreadsheet or piece of paper with four quadrants and I'd write the tasks in each quadrant as if they could only belong to one quadrant and as if they wouldn't move. That's really useful if you have three tasks to do at any one given time. But as the number blows up into the hundreds, that kind of approach doesn't work. You've got to do something like tagging. And then other kind of attributes become more important than urgency and importance or more critical. And then you've got to include those tags. So, you know, before you decide to take on any task, you know, what will I do in the next half an hour? You need to look at whatever the most important tags happen to be. And sometimes they're urgency and sometimes they're importance. And sometimes they're something else altogether. 
So it's a, it's a kind of a useful way to get into the idea that all tasks are not equal and that you need a way to figure out which ones to pay attention to in order to decide what to do next. But it's, as Art said, it's limited. Just to echo what Francis just said, if you look, one of my favorite task management tools is Todoist. And they have an article on the Eisenhower matrix. And if you look at how they describe implementing the matrix within their tool, they talk about two specific things. And the first thing right away is tagging. Tagging thing is important or is um, urgent. And then manipulating those tags. So Francis is dead on that the matrix itself translates into those two tags and how you manipulate them. Uh, Todoist also does something a little interesting too, that they leverage their priority structure, priority one through four, and they correspond those to the matrix quadrant. So priority one is urgent and important. Priority two, not urgent, but important. Priority three, urgent, but not important. And priority four, obviously the last one. So again, it's we look at this matrix and it's how do we interpret this into whatever system we're wanting to do? It really just becomes a ladder for, you know, how does this task fall through these buckets to get to the right level of prioritization? It's useful that way. But I th- again, I think it leaves too much out. Too much is open for interpretation. I'll play devil's advocate then. If you look at the, the Eisenhower matrix and you think about how you are going to manifest anything in terms of prioritization, the tool can be utilized in and around many other processes, other management systems, other productivity methodologies. And if you are thinking about it from that perspective, then the tool itself is just a quick uh, kind of reasoning heuristic so that you're able to determine what it is that you should do. So even in that Todoist article, I'll put links to all of these things in the show notes. And I and I did link, uh, embed a little YouTube video explaining the Eisenhower matrix in the show notes as well for you folks. Uh, and and so the, the idea though, is that if I'm in the midst of decision paralysis, if I'm in a position where I need to really move forward on a thing right now in the moment, and say in the GTD world, uh, we use the the fourfold method for being able to decide things. If we are not GTDers and we don't know about the fourfold method, and or we find it to be obtuse or too complex, then we can come to the Eisenhower matrix and make that decision in that moment. So it can be a surgical tool, uh, a precision tool, even though it's not something that we use all the time. So that would be my kind of argument for looking at the Eisenhower matrix, not as as purely something that is, we're going to use it all the time, and we're going to plan out our week according to it or plan out our day according to it. But it could be this really useful tool in the moment of saying, you know what, I really don't, you know, all things are equal, I could do anything right now. What are the things in front of me? And how do I make a decision about doing that thing? The, the other piece that I find to be really useful is the concept of longer term planning. When you look at the things that might be much further out, you know, on the very high levels, uh, say in the GTD world, we would say horizons three, four, five kind of things, um, but, but really horizons three and four. And we're thinking, how do I, how do I plan out two to, to five years? How do I plan out the next five to 10 years? And thinking, what, what should stay on that list and what shouldn't? Being able to look at the matrix and say, you know what, what really is important to me? Those things should come closer to me in terms of what Ever criteria I want to use to to make it important and um, and otherwise, uh, and so this kind of takes me to my uh, my other thought on this, which is that 
this is going back, I mean, probably almost 20 plus years ago, I created my own method for prioritization. I forget what I called it, but it was like the, you know, the action or project prioritization formula or something like that. But it was something really silly because I, you know, I, I was in the midst of creating at the moment. And I, I wanted to be able to do something very specific in, in, in and at that time. Uh, so what I wanted to do was I wanted to be able to identify the exact priority of many things in front of me all, all at a given time so that I would do them in the order that I needed them to be done. And that was really important to me at the time, uh, because I was running against a lot of deadlines. And I knew that if I didn't work against the things that were highest deadline first, um, then they would they would fall in some way, shape or form to the wayside, and I would miss a deadline. But at the same time, I needed to be able to move forward projects that I considered important, but not urgent, right, that they were things that were important to me, as well as things like self care, and other pieces of the of the puzzle. So I created this prioritization formula. In essence, it was a 10 point scale. And each item in the prioritization formula uh, had a weight, right? It had a number and, and that number weighted it. Uh, and so I'll explain it. I have an image of the laminated card I created showing the formula in the show notes. Uh, so you can also see uh, what I created and how I and, and how the calculations work. So in essence, um, I, I broke it into three different parts. And so I had goals, um, and those were based on deadlines. Uh, the deadlines were long-term, short-term, or immediate. And long-term had a point of one, short-term a point of two, and an immediate had a, a point of three. So you know, one, two, and three points um, for long-term, short-term, and immediate. Then I talked about personal priority in the next section. Uh, this is how it benefits me personally. And then again, low, moderate, or high, one, two, three. So something that was low, low benefit to me would get a one to help balance out that something was high, high priority in terms of deadline impending, uh, but it was low uh, benefit to me. It would it would help balance out those pieces. And then finally, I used the Eisenhower matrix as the next piece, using importance and urgency as the next set of me measurements. And so, um, following the matrix, you get a four, three, two, one for important, urgent, down to not important, not urgent. Now, I disagree with my own prioritization formula in terms of what the final quadrant piece, not important, not urgent. And I generally disagree with everything um, that's said about that fourth quadrant about quote unquote, delete it. Uh, I think that today what we are uh, frequently misunderstanding about things, and this comes to the point of deep work and, uh, and shallow work, this notion that there's certain types of work that we have chosen to do, uh, but that is not useful to us. It makes us seem like we're too important or too too good to do maintenance work, work that is administrative in nature, work that needs to be done to maintain our systems so that we have a proper operating world. And what is happening is that people then feel like, oh, well, I don't need to do that because that's in this uh, quadrant of not important and not urgent. Uh, but what is important to you in terms of higher level goals cannot be achieved without you taking care of the things that you consider mundane. The mundane is where the action's at. If you don't understand how to get mundane things done, then you are going to have trouble with the, the difficult things that are 
the things that ultimately bear the greatest fruit. So this is, uh, I, I think, just a, a really um, important piece that we all need to kind of wrestle with, which is when we look at something that's not important, I, I don't think that belongs in the matrix, right? Like that should be filtered before it gets to the matrix. Why would you uh, stack, track, and maintain rubbish, right? Like something comes into your inbox, you look at it, and you decide to get rid of it. Um, you don't decide to place it in a matrix and show it that it's garbage. Like I just really don't understand why you would you would place the 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 rubbish basket, the waste bin, on your desk, right? It's, there's a reason why it's under your desk, not on it. And what what by putting that delete it uh, quadrant in the matrix, we are we are doing that uh, in in essence. Quickly, so this so I, I agree that <clears throat> this is a thought. I think you used the word rubric or a set of rules or a heuristic. So it's a way to, Eisenhower Matrix offers a way to think about tasks. Initially, it offers a tool. So as I mentioned, I I used a piece of paper and a spreadsheet. But as you evolve and things become, you get a better understanding of how tasks need to be prioritized and the other factors that come into play. I think it just falls into the background and then becomes uh, heuristic, as you said. And you now see that you don't have to either categorize or explicitly tag every task in this way. However, you do need to consider urgency and importance always. And and I like what you said, if something is not urgent and not important, then it doesn't deserve to be managed probably. It probably doesn't have any shouldn't have any bearing, shouldn't take up any space in your psyche or in your system. Um, and I, I, I also agree that there is there are these background tasks that if you only think from um, Eisenhower matrix kind of thinking, you would never do. But, you know, for example, I exercised this morning. It wasn't urgent and it wasn't terribly important that I exercise this morning because I exercised yesterday and Saturday. So, was this morning still important? I don't, probably not. But if I make enough decisions like that at a low level to not exercise, then the maintenance that, that it gives me, this low level task, I would stop receiving the benefit. So task management and deciding what to do is way more complex than the Eisenhower matrix suggests. And that's, since I agree, that's like a ladder. It gives you an initial kind of insight a burst of understanding. And then as you continue and add more tasks and no need to manage a greater number with greater complexity, you need to set it aside, is my opinion. You basically need to just kind of set it and forget it. Use it as a heuristic, but that's it. It doesn't offer offer too much more after that point. Yeah, I'm going to chime in on that bottom quadrant. I don't know that it's... I really struggle with the concept of delete it because I think deleted ideas kind of like what you were headed towards, Ray, should be outside the matrix. Just because something's not important and it's not urgent doesn't mean that it shouldn't be done. It just is a low priority item. Those are those can often be filler tasks. I've written about this in the past where I talk about them being the equivalent of task candy. Uh, those little things that you can just grab and knock out to get you back in a productive mindset to tackle the bigger tasks. So I wouldn't necessarily say anything that falls in that lower quadrant gets thrown out with the bathwater. 
to me, those are the things that, yeah, if they get done, they get done. If they don't, they don't. But it's a good opportunity to be able to tackle things that you want to get done and have that sense of accomplishment. But again, it's it's derivative of the original concept. And I think we can manipulate this thing all different kinds of ways, which is one of the strengths of this kind of a basic level implementation and this type of an idea is because it is open for interpretation and open for adjustment. As much as I can agree with some of that, the reality is sometimes it is the non-important, no urgent, what what is going to take to take priority. And, and it's exactly where the challenge is, you know, and uh, this this episode has been an example of that. And as people is working at home and kids are in the school, there is a chaos with the internet. So it's, it's important. No, it's urgent. Not really, but has take priority over the recording of the show. Uh, and it's where in the, in the task, those things are not necessarily caught straight out where you can say, well, I have urgent and important and the rest need to wait. Sometimes is understanding that managing that non-important and it's it's the right call to do. So you can, so the people can go and move into their life and you can move into your own. So that's one of the things that make these four quadrants, I think, challenging as we understand that we need to try to spend time on the important but not urgent not always is possible to really stay into that quadrant the funny part about life is that it forces necessity forces you your hand in many ways if you have a really strong sense of stubbornness then maybe you'll avoid those things that are important and urgent in front of you but for the most part if it's important and it's urgent and there isn't an emotional blockage, right? That is, you have this overwhelm or fear of not doing that thing, then the, the truly important and urgent will get done. So the idea of managing and tracking the things that are that are immediately important and are prima facie, you need to do this thing right now, it's life or limb, right? Those things are not needed to be tracked. So we can set that aside in terms of thinking about the Eisenhower matrix, the, the important urgent that we're really talking about are kind of major projects, things that are things that we need to make sure we are paying close attention to for purposes of making sure we're moving forward on things that have basically that have deadlines, right? Things, major projects that have some level of deadline associated with them. And then on the, on the flip side, that which is uh, typically considered waste. And again, I, I disagree with my own prioritization formula. Quadrant four is uh, is what I place as you know a one in terms of point system. I really don't consider that waste anymore. What I consider that is mundane work, and mundane work is not necessarily something that is bad. It just happens to be something that is boring to do. It's not exciting work. And if you want to move forward important things in your world, you need to be able to do mundane work. I've really enjoyed hearing everyone's perspectives here on this. And I and I think that what you need to do as a listener is to think about how you manage your 
really exciting things in your world and how you manage the things that are rather mundane and boring and learn a way to balance those pieces out so that you're better able to get both of those things done in order to be more productive. Okay, so I'd like to go into our third segment, which is to talk about really who should use the Eisenhower matrix and the method behind it um, that we've been talking about and when this might work and how it blends with other systems. Art, you noted a little bit about it, it blending with a tool, Todoist. I want to talk about how it actually blends with some of these other methodologies, whether that be the SMART project methodology, uh, GTD, Pomodoro, Personal Kanban, and otherwise. Uh, we even have uh, the progenitor of the uh, perfect time-based productivity here. So maybe we can talk a little bit about how it how it manifests in making uh, time demand decisions as well. So how does how do we think about the Eisenhower matrix in terms of when and how it should be used? I think I've already covered it for myself, but I'm I'm curious to hear that from you all. I, I think Francis, you touched on that a little bit, but what what are your thoughts there in terms of when and how it should be used? Well, I, I don't. I think it should be used in the sort of early parts of one's career when one is dealing with a lower number of tasks, but then as the number of tasks increase, it needs to go into the background and do its work there, sort of, uh, as you said, as a heuristic. And then the, the principle of, of choosing tasks based on different attributes, including urgency, importance, calendar availability, energy, context. You know, there's a whole number that, that you can play with in order to make your decisions. I think each person has to incorporate urgency and um, importance, but then they also need to come up with their own way of deciding what to do next based on all these attributes. That's the common problem that we all have. Eisenhower off Matrix offers a simplistic answer for someone who has a small number of tasks but then we all need this we all need to do a version of what you did you know even though you've eschewed your your logic you know the one that you came up with a few years ago your system with the points and the one to ten and a tool like Skedpal is trying to use a similar not methodology necessarily to yours but a similar kind of line of thinking, which is that there is a way to, to prompt someone to help them to decide what to do next. It's better if they're not the person who's actually doing it. So having a super secretary, you know, crunch all of these tasks and crunch these priorities and use the matrix thinking and then tell you what to do. That's the best thing of all, but these people are expensive and sort of hard to come by. The, the next best thing is maybe something like Skedpal. And then the next best thing is having at least some discipline around what we decide to do next and how we make that decision. And that takes a great deal of, I would say, insight um, because you're trying to now fit a lot of attributes to your personal tastes. But it's a, it's a problem we all have is, is the bottom line. And Eisenhower matrix thinking is just one small part of that. I think that matching this up with other systems, it again, it's such a small portion of the overall time and task execution process. It can plug into pretty much any system. If you look at, now I'm not going to dig into the GTD side because there's a lot of aspects of that. But if you look at things like Pomodoro, well, 
what are you going to do a 25 minute sprint on? This can help you make that determination and then you use Pomodoro to actually execute on it and then cycle back. Uh, those are the types of things that can help this structure. But I also think that this type of approach can work very well in a team-based environment if you're managing projects, for example, and you you have multiple tasks up on a um, Kanban board, for example, and you're trying to determine which ones need to take top priority. Often they're not determined by the client. They're not determined by the team. They're determined by the current time scale and what needs to be done for sequences, events, and that sort. But something like Eisenhower can help you take things that appear to be equivalent and give them some sort of differentiating measure. So then you can say, oh, okay, of A and B, B is really the more urgent and more important one. Therefore, that's the one that needs to get done first. Like Francis and Art, you both have noted here, I mean, there's so many ways in which you can use Eisenhower matrix in very concise spaces. Um, and I, I like the notion, Francis, that you're talking about of it becoming a heuristic and it kind of falls into the background. I, I still feel like it's still a thing that we can surface when we are struggling with making a decision um, because it's an easy and simple notion of, of just basically placing something into a box and that will very quickly allow us to be able to decide on things uh, kind of similar to like the Johari window or other kinds of things that are just simple uh, matrices that give us a, an immediate benefit of moving toward action because that's really my thought always is what's going to drive action right now because any action is better than no action. So I don't want to be paralyzed in this decision-making process. So I need to, I, I need to make a choice and then I just need to move in that direction. And for, for those of us who might have this, this kind of, um, you know, paralysis of decision, we need to have tools that can then uh, help us jumpstart that process, right? It's like jumpstarting the 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 car. We need a way to be able to just jerk us out of the out of the mundane feeling and into action. Because really, once we get into action, we're fine. It's really that starter process. And so, if the Eisenhower matrix can help you get in that starter process, uh, in that startup process, in that action focus, then I think that's really really positive. I have this always thought about Eisenhower matrix being in opposition to the GTD fourfold model, because they think about what is priority in such fundamentally different ways. And as well on the project planning level, Eisenhower matrix being in conflict with the SMART methodology, which is you know specific, measurable, actionable, realistic, and time-based. And when you're project planning and you, you write out a project, the Eisenhower matrix um, doesn't seem to rationalize with those pieces very easily. I think there are ways in which you can make them work together. Uh, that is, write out the project using the SMART method and then placing the project into the Eisenhower matrix. But the notion here, though, is that as you're able to understand importance and urgency, I think that you still need to modify the matrix going back again to my prioritization formula. I still think that there is this benefit to yourself that is frequently, we exist, we, we, we permeate the world through self-interest and, and not even self-interest. It's really self, a self perspective, right? We, we see the world always in a one directional view outward 
of everything that's happening, right? Everything is in relation to us. We are the center of our own worlds. And to be able to find right relationship with the world, we need to step outside of ourselves in some way, shape, or form. And one way to think about the world is how does this benefit me? Um, and how does this benefit others? I mean, especially if you feel like you are not, at, if you are a little bit self-centered, you know, personality-wise, and you want to fix that, you know, you want to be able to do better that way, you can, you can modify the matrix to think about how it benefits others in your world. How does it benefit your spouse? How does it benefit your children? How does it benefit your colleagues? How does it benefit others, the community? And start to think from that paradigm. So I say take the matrix from its base level and then modify it to the needs of your world to fill in what you believe are your weaknesses, capitalize on the strengths and a little bit of, you know, first break all the rules, um, Marcus Buckingham coming in there, right? And you want to you want to think about how to in, infuse into it the things that are going to shore up your productivity weaknesses so that you're able to then have a true view of where things live in your system and how to prioritize those things going forward. So I can see how, whether it's Todoist or Remember the Milk or OmniFocus or SkedPal or otherwise, the way in which you manifest where projects are in your world and their priority can really be utilized well using the Eisenhower matrix. And it doesn't have to be, a, it's not a heavy methodology to, to have to use. So it's very easy in those circumstances where you have a difficulty getting started. So use it when you can't get started. And I think you'll find benefit in that. Um, a little bit of a contrarian view to um, Francis's notion that you learn it early on and then you kind of it falls into the background. I want you to actually bring it to the foreground for these periods where you have difficulty being able to make decisions. And so with that, any any final thoughts, questions, what what are your what are your takeaways for folks in terms of the Eisenhower matrix and the methodology? I'll add to what you said, uh, which is that even if you bring it forward, you, the way you bring it forward, Ray, is probably not the way I bring it forward. Because while we might agree on what urgency means, our notion of what importance is, is probably going to be different between you and I and context specific. So even as you, even as you use it, and, and, and I agree with the idea that in times of, especially in times of, of, of crunch, crunch times, it needs to be in the forefront. You still have to customize and have an understanding of what importance means to you because that's purely based on on context and that's completely created by you. So there's still this self-reflection that has to happen in order to make use of these attributes. All right, gentlemen, thank you so much for this conversation. While we are at the end of our discussion today, the conversation doesn't stop here. If you have a question or a comment about what we've discussed during this cast, feel free to visit our episode page on productivitycast.net. There on the podcast website at the bottom of the episode page, feel free to leave a comment or a question, and we can read and respond to those uh, comments and questions. Uh, by the way, to get to any Productivity Cast episode quickly, all you have to do is add our three-digit episode number to the end of the productivitycast.net and then add a forward slash and then the three digits, and that'll take you over there. 
If you have a topic about personal productivity you'd like us to discuss on a future cast, please visit productivitycast.net forward slash contact. You can leave a voice recorded message or type us a message and we'll, and maybe we'll feature it on a future episode. Who knows? Uh, I want to thank Augusta Pinaud, Francis Wade, and Art Gelwicks for joining me here on Productivity Cast this and every week. You can learn more about them and their work by visiting productivitycast.net and click on the who we are or the about page. And uh, with that, I'm Ray Sidney Smith. On behalf of all of us here at Productivity Cast, here's to your productive life. That's it for this Productivity Cast, the weekly show about all things productivity with your hosts, Ray Sidney Smith and Augusto Pinaud with Francis Wade and Art Gelwicks.